In a world where best laid plans go astray, there are two separate but equally important groups. Those who create history with their stupidity and the shit show podcast that covers them. These are their stories. Good morning or evening or afternoon, wherever you are, and welcome to Shit Show. Smooth. <laughs> We've never had a better intro than that, and we shan't in the future. You are listening to Shit Show, and you are joined uh, by Gus and Rig, or rather, we are joined uh, by you if you're an active participant somehow in this show. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is our pleasure to be your weekly podcast covering all things where the wheels come off and train wrecks occur. So, Rig, how are you, buddy? I'm fantastic, mate. It's great to be here. Uh, slightly wet uh, after spilling most of a beer on myself. It was fantastic. Almost uh, almost rendered all of this amazing technology we have in your dungeon completely redundant. It's how dare you lie to my face while in my own home. <laughs> all of the equipment in here is a piece of shit. and <laughs> We're running <laughs> on basically nothing. So, let's dive straight into it, mate. You have these segments this week. I do. Which are the obviously easier part, uh, despite the fact that you've just dropped a beer all over your computer and Mm -hmm. there's nothing written on that. So I hope you got it memorised. You're going to start off with Trainwreck Trophy. Uh, Rig has pumped uh, Trainwreck into Google, come up with a couple of news articles, and he's going to find out what the biggest fails uh, of this week in the news are. What do you got, mate? Mate, I've got a whole bunch, and uh, I'm so glad that the the computer is stuffed up because I spent way too long taxi drivering it in front of a mirror at home. <laughs> you talking to me. So I have a couple of great ones for you. Well, not a couple. I've got a few for you this week. First one is homegrown. Love it. They're the best kind. That's how we start. It gets the Australian-made stamp. It really right does. Right on it. And, uh, and you're going to love that this is going to be bookended because uh, my, uh, my media segment today is also homegrown. Fantastic. So we're top and tailing. Right. So when a show or an episode of a show, a TV show, <laughs> gets... When a ca- wood or a cracker. No, stop doing that. <laughs> when, a, when a TV show episode or a TV show in general gets cancelled or pulled from the air... Yeah. There's obviously a reason why that particular episode has been pulled. Because it's terrible. Well, excessive, or, excessive yeah. violence. Sure. You know, you know, sexual violence or increased sexual uh, presence or nudity and all that kind of stuff. Yep. But even then, it needs to be of a pretty high degree for it to for it to be pulled. Mm. Or, or a great show like Arrested Development, which is just a, an oversight by network execs. Yeah. Uh, so, an episode of a children's show. Has been pulled in Australia this past week. Sure. Peppa Pig. Oh, what? Really? Yeah. So it's only been pulled in Australia. I'm going to explain to you uh, what the offending episode entails. I I want to make it very clear that I only know about this show from pop culture references about Peppa Pig. Good. So Daddy Pig, as you can imagine, is uncreatively the father of Peppa Pig. (laughs) Go on. Tells a frightened Peppa that spiders are very small and can't hurt you. Ooh, after after a spider called Mr. Skinny Legs enters the room, the chi- the children are then depicted picking the spider up, tucking it into bed, and offering it some tea. You can understand, <laughs> you can understand why this is such an issue in Australia. Because everything here everything kills can you. fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah, our whole country. We, I, I'm pretty sure there was some crazy thing a while back where it was just like. Out of the top ten venomous snakes in the world, we have like the top seven. 11. We have a, we have eleven of the top ten. <laughs> We've cranked it up to eleven on snakes and spiders. Yeah. Um, so it's it, uh, Australia is like a living, working uh, saw movie. <laughs> Every single thing is a ticking time bomb that may kill you. 
the whole of Australia is a, a 200 year series of Survivor. Yeah, it's big just job. yeah, it's crazy. So th- obviously, the problem is that not all Australian spiders are very, very small, and some can hurt you. Yes, correct. Between 2000 and 2013, over 12 and a half thousand people were admitted to hospital. Due to spider bites. Yeah, I, I, and a really quick way to get yourself uh, bitten by a spider is to hold it. <laughs> yeah, so they, they had aired this once before in mm. 2004, and everyone was Spike? like, everyone was like, take that <laughs> off the air because I don't want my kid thinking that it can tuck a huntsman into bed. Yeah, sure. And so they pulled it then, and mm. then there was a repeat. Yeah. So they've had to pull it again, and they're just like, look, the spider is obviously cartoonish. And very fake. And they're just like, uh, this is a show with an children's. animated pig. <laughs> they know pigs can't talk. They're not idiots. They're just children. Yeah, these are children's cartoon characters. But, and, but, but I mean, children, they, would, they would believe things within reason. Children got nothing else going on. No. They're going to believe what you put in front of them. They got nothing but time. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's not, what they, not that's if they a, start holding spiders. That's, that's what they have dead. in common with retirees, minus the whole age and the impending death. Yeah. But, Ooh, the crazy thing about early. <laughs> the crazy thing about all those spider things, not only are the, the huge amount of injuries are a real concern in terms of spider bites here in Australia, and you wouldn't want children dealing with that. But even as recently as the tail end of last year, there was footage of a huntsman dragging a full-grown mouse up a wall <laughs> that it had killed. Um, what? I, I, I love this because they mention it in this article and on the, the, the bar, the related articles bar... <laughs> It's got this, in Australia, colon, giant spider carrying a mouse is horrifying and impressive. <laughs> Which is true. It's, it, it's, so, it's so true. That is, that is the, the spider equivalent uh, of uh, the western suburbs man who buys 17 family meals to consume by himself. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's totally what you would expect from Australia, but things that, uh, that Australian spiders aren't are... Small and furry and cuddly. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, we, we when, they're not known for that, but I'm sure they're... Tarantulas are... We don't know. All, <laughs> hashtag not all spiders. <laughs> it's not a thing. You don't yeah. know. If you offered a tea yeah. to a spider, do you think he would be receptive to that? Hashtag I'll ride with spider. I'll, <laughs> exactly. So that is train wreck number one. Love it. Train wreck number two. We go to our neighbours across the pond. Okay. Which is uh, if you're in New Zealand. No, I know, but that's not where I was going with that. Everybody knows that. What I was getting to was that the last train wreck trophy that I that I did, or the last Poos the News I did rather, was from New Zealand as well. So we're we're doing a nice little theme here, and the New Zealand Herald is quickly becoming my favourite source of weird WTF articles. It's I I know how many tabs you have opened during a recording day, and my computer broke down before the beer was dropped on it. It was on Rainbow Wheel for quite some time, and it's definitely because of the New Zealand Herald. (laughs) So. With uh, Over in New Zealand, what's happened is a guy has gone out on the tiles and he has just gone for broke, right? Yeah. He's gone out and... <laughs> for, for, for our American or uh, UK listeners, on the tiles, as you can probably put together, is getting really drunk. Just, just want to make that really clear because sometimes the Australian euphemisms uh, <laughs> do get lost and that particular one could mean dead set anything. That's true. So let me break it down. This guy's getting fuck-eyed, right? And <laughs> he is just going to town on the tins yeah. and in the morning he notices that his car is gone. 
and he's just like, shit, my car's been stolen. I'm immediately bringing this up to the police. So he goes to the Rotorua police station and he says, guys, uh, was out last night. My, uh, my car's been stolen. And they're just like, okay, fine. As you would with any person who looks super hungover. They're just <laughs> like, fine, uh, give us your details, give me the details of the car, etc." They do one search into Google and find it on a, on a car website called Car Jam, and it's his car. Yeah. They contact the person who's selling it. It's him. Oh, you could see that coming. About 10 seconds out, you're like... It's him. Yeah, so his mobile rings in the police station. Yeah, so he, he has tried. <laughs> He's gotten so blind and needed piss so bad. Yeah. That he went online and tried to sell his car. While pissed. While pissed. And woke up in the morning because someone had bought his car. So the car so, is gone. So, he's actually, the transaction's happened. So, so he's completely seen missing, selling his yeah. car and accepting money <laughs> yeah. for it. Dancing around a maypole <laughs> one second and then seen missing. Just blanking it. And just, he'd completely blanked it. What I don't get, right, is... Cla- classic you, going out in the tiles. You, you've <laughs> sold your car, and, I mean, everyone's done some bad shit in their time while they've been pissed. <laughs> Texts to the ex, leaving your bloody keys in the door yeah. when you've gone to sleep. Yeah. You know, every, everyone's done that sort of stuff. How blackout do you need to be to actually exchange... Legal tender for your vehicle. Yeah, and and would someone not feel bad about that if you're paying a guy eight hundred bucks, which is how much he sold it for? So it must have been a real shit box. But if you're paying eight hundred bucks for a car, and this dude is like eyes rolling into the back of his skull, drunk, would you not feel ethically a, like in a bit of a in a bit of a bind? Oh, I've been to Rotorua. I'm surprised he got paid. <laughs> Got, rock, got rocked up while he's belted. He basically just wanted to get drunk enough to keep the smell away. <laughs> totally. It's all rotten It's all eggs. sulfur. Mm. Yeah. It's a, it is amazing, though, because the innate human desire uh, to continue to drink overrides everything else. So he's managed to be uh, sober enough to conduct a business transaction, as you say. <laughs> but the next day is so belted that he goes to the police station, they ring his own phone. Love it. It's 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 great, and it's it's one of those kisses fingers like a chef yeah. sort of train wrecks. You could only bring that upon yourself. That's number two. <laughs> number three, we go to Germany. Good, so, good. It's been far too long. It has been. So Otfried Best, fantastic name. Mm-hmm. He's running on an anti-immigration ticket to become mayor of this uh, small town in Germany uh, called Verklingen. Mm. Is his uh, last name Mayor? No, he's no. Because <laughs> he's, he's not the guy shoo- from Brussels. He's a no. shoo-in. Uh, no, Otfried Best, uh, but he's running to become mayor on the far right NPD ticket. Okay, which is just full-blown yep. neo-Nazi, pretty yep. much. Anyway, they're they're hosting a debate between local politicians about uh, the up, the upcoming election and what people are going to be promising and all that sort of stuff. You so know, you how say where, but yeah. This guy named Uwe Faust appears in the crowd and, and is asking a question as they're taking them all from the public. And he says, According to Building Code Paragraph 20, 126, each owner is obliged to label his property with the number given by the municipality. I find it alarming that in Völklingen, 
Many house numbers are displayed in Arabic numerals. How would you like to take action against this creeping foreign infiltration? Ugh. Mr. Best replied... What's wrong with that? Mr. Best replied, you just wait until I am mayor. I will change that. There will be no... Oh, sorry, there will be normal numbers. There's a big problem with that. Arabic numbers are the fucking numbers everyone uses. <laughs> Zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine are all Arabic numbers yeah. that everyone in the Western world has been using since the 12th century. Yeah, they're, and, and they're pretty popular. I would say as far as numbers go, they are exceedingly popular. They're right up there. Yeah. And the fact that he just didn't know it and it was just fed into this whole, whole anti-immigration oh, that stance. That is awesome. It's just the ultimate troll. And the guy, <laughs> the guy who asked the question was actually from uh, a satirical newspaper. So, oh, like, yes. So Germany's it's been done by the Onion. Germany's answer to the Onion, essentially. Oh. And uh, yeah, he's just been absolutely cooked by this guy. <laughs> and there's just like a bunch of laughing that, that ensues. Oh, that is so great. So good. So you've got the train wreck trophy for this week. We'll go to one of these three contenders. You've got the Peppa Pig episode that was pulled. Trying to tell people, Australian audiences, that spiders were friendly and deserved Pat, Pat a, a, spider. a good cuppa. <laughs> We've got the, the man in New Zealand who got so blind that he sold his own car and reported it as stolen. Or we have the German neo-Nazi who just was so against Arabs that he didn't realise he had it out for numbers that he uses every day. Oh, it's it's so it's so close between two and three. It's like they're they're very different styles of train wreck. One of them is just a Darwin Award, basically that's one step away from death. Uh, the other one is an unbelievably good political prank. <laughs> you know what? New Zealand will have its day, but it's going to the man who thought. Let's get rid of them damn Arabic numbers <laughs> and replace them with normal numbers. Literally went up there and was like, "Girl, girl!" And he's just like, "I'm going to delete all the numbers." <laughs> yeah, it's uh, going to Germany. Fantastic. Which means it's time for the train wreck trophy anthem. Train wreck. Train wreck. Train wreck trophy. trophy. Fantastic. Fantastic. So we're moving straight on to our uh, poos in the news. Which, you know what? I'm just get, it's it's I just got to embrace it. I just have to I have to cope with the fact that a segment that is so lowbrow that mm. uh, when we do it, I actually feel myself going physically through the floor. <laughs> is beloved. It's become it's become it's a segment of the people. A, a huge. It re- really really is not, but. <laughs> It's a it's a segment of yours, so uh, I'm I'm learning like a woman who's been with a, a man for far too long, and he's just lost all level of attractiveness. <laughs> but she do- can't be fucked to start again. <laughs> I will tolerate this segment. Ah, <laughs> uh, fantastic! It's boozing you- the news, which means that Rick has found an instance or example of. Uh, Public defecation or uh, a a an amusing public poop, and he's going to bring that to us right now. Right. So in Ireland, we have a delivery man. This delip, you know, it's already yeah. good with those two factors. Yeah, absolutely, especially in this segment. Yeah. So this delivery man, he's been sacked. <laughs> Let's go on. Suspended without pay. Why? Because this is what happened. He was out on his run one day. Doing uh, no, no. 
He was doing his run one day. I could see your face. That's not what I was getting to. He's on his uh, he's on his delivery run one day, and he quote got taken short for a toilet. It happens like uh, just classic Irish gibberish. Pre- I don't know. I'm not. What go- I'm not I know all those. I know I'm, all those words. Just in not that, in that sentence. In that sentence, I've got no idea. Yeah, I'm also not going to pretend that I can relate to these uh, these poos in the news stories because very rarely does one come up where I'm like, yeah, yeah, uh, that uh, could uh, happen as, to anyone. As a, as a child, I absolutely wandered down a an, an aisle and then shook a poo out of my pants and <laughs> pretended to look at shit. Um, anyway, go on. So. He has got taken short for a toilet. Yeah. And so he decides to take a shit in an empty tote that is usually used to deliver medicine. Go on. But he forgets to remove it over the course of the day and ends up doing the remainder of his round by delivering said tote to a medical office. Unfortunately, he found out that he made the awful mistake too late. The officers, well, not the officers, the the nurses and the doctors (laughs) smelled the ridiculous odour coming from the container, realised it was shit. (laughs) And look, this is good of him. He called up his boss and was like, okay, no time to talk. (laughs) I've given a box of shit. Of my shit to the medical office. Hope that's cool. And I hope this rubs off on me well. And his boss is like, you're suspended without pay. (laughs) So that happened. Yeah. I just... The thing that I kept thinking about was him walking to the medical office. I assume that his rounds are very similar. Probably knows the woman at the desk. G'day, Pam. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are the kids? Yeah, really good, really good. Anyway, just got a delivery here. Just signed for that. Anyway, have a great day. Beaming smile, <laughs> and it's shit in a box. Here's the thing, Rig. If if you've just if you've shit in a box and you've put it into a into a bag, that memory would be scarred so deep inside your inside your brain that just the image of that bag would remind you that there is shit in it. Yeah. Surely when he grabbed it and went to hand it over, there was an impulse in his brain that said, Barry, Mm. (laughs) that box has shit in it. Don't give it to it. Ooh, is that the shit box? Yeah. Let's just flip a coin. I'll just, I'll go back to the truck and see if there's shit in any of those boxes. Uh, I can't be sure, but I'm pretty positive I shat in something in this car. So uh, let's not check any of the mm, bags. It could be literally anything in my truck, <laughs> given my horrible sense my of hygiene. My, my ridiculous habit of being got short, <laughs> taken short of a toilet. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a crappy conversation with your boss as well. Ah. Yeah, accidental. <laughs> anyway, that is Poos in the News for another week. Love it. So that means that it is time for One Star Reservoir, which is uh, where Rig is going to put into into Google and find uh, the best, worst reviews. Sorry, that was really clunky. <laughs> Rig has found the best, worst reviews of the internet, be they restaurant, hotel, uh, zoo, uh <laughs> Condom, uh, Amazon, well, wherever you would review a thing. Movie, I guess, probably. But anyway, reviews. Worst of them. One yep. star. Cue music. <laughs> yeah!
Not as much as I love to hear you ham fist your way into that introduction. Yeah, I lost the page and kind of, kind of was already thinking about what I was about to say in the segment. Uh, I lost my notes. I lost my notes. Anyway, all good. So, Riga, what do you got for us? You got three. I do have three. That is how we do things each and every week. I'm just checking. I just want to make sure. No, that's 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 fair enough. Now this one. It's a great review in terms of one-star reviews, but I will warn not only you but our listeners, it was written by a guy that had English as his second language. Okay. So there's going to be a few things that may not make sense. Yeah, we're missing some conjunctions. Dear travellers, if you are reading this, have in mind and have in mind to stay in this hostel, go away. (laughs) I've been in Paris in February 2013 and we found this hostel as the cheaper version of Hostel World. Bad idea. I've read other reviews here and didn't think, didn't pay them any attention, but man, for start, for starts, the location. Near to a metro station, but the area is dangerous. A lot of people in the street, strange people, noisy. I had fear to walk in the area. Okay. I travelled with my girlfriend for three days to Paris, a budget trip, so we decided to stay in a four-person room in Friends Hostel. For start, there are no lockers in the room. You need to give all your stuff to the receptionist. On the other side, there was a re- on the other side of the room, there was a really strange guy, a French guy. He was living there for what seemed like a long time. <laughs> My girlfriend thought, "No bother. We always stay in a hostel." But in the middle of the night, she started to hear sounds. Strange oh, sounds. Not that's never good in a hostel. The guy was masturbating with my girlfriend in the room. We tried to change rooms, but when I entered there to see if I had forgotten something to change the room, the same guy was masturbating in a room with girls, making noise, and kicked me when I opened the door. It was a crazy guy, and he kicked me in my head. I I fell down in a bed and started to scream. The receptionist, who don't speak English and was sleeping, entered, and the guy assumed that kicked me on the face. I don't know what that's meant to say. uh, That sentence has no right or wrong end. I wanted my money back and would leave that place on the same night. How would a hostel, a decent hostel, permit a guy like that to sleep there? With girls? Both the receptionist uh, said to me to wait for the owner of the place to arrive at 9am. It was 4am when this all happened. Waiting there was horrible. Me and my girlfriend were scared. Finally, when the owner arrives... A Janankist woman. I don't know what he was meant to say there. Botox face. <laughs> this, is, this has just become crib notes. Yeah. Said that she didn't believe me and told us that we were lying. We thought to call the police, but the train to London was in the next day and we didn't want to screw our trip. The hostel devolved just one night of our stay. The total was three and even my girlfriend cries in front of that woman. She was just ganancious. That's That's got to be a Google Translate thing. And poor heart. Okay, the, it was I, a really bad experience. Do never stay there. <laughs> really, I was, I was going to say that uh, I thought that you were you were quite harsh on the on the ESL factor of uh, of that when I was listening to the first half. I covered a lot of it. You, I, I I was I was paraphrasing. You've been gener- you've on been, the on the fly. You've been super janankus with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got no idea what that word could be. I don't know. All right, so that's the, that's the first one. Here's the second one. What an absolute charade. Visited August for some lunch with my wife and baby. Mistake one, don't take a child in a pushchair. 
The door woman screamed across the front patio. No push chairs. Can't you read? <laughs> that is that is blunt. Mistake two. Don't order food unless you have hours to spare. Waited 50 minutes for one sandwich. When I went to the bar to inquire about the delay, I got the loud door woman again telling me how busy they were. Mistake three. When the food came, it was the wrong order. Went back to the bar and told the young hippie-looking lad who seemed a bit hyper to me with wild hair and a spaced-out stare. I asked to speak to the manager. I was told she was lying down and wouldn't come down unless it was important, as she doesn't do stairs. (laughs) He then pointed to the door woman again and said, Tell her. (laughs) We just left the place. If you want to be spoken to like a child, then come to the dolphin. Ah, yes. Name and shame at the end. I don't think it was the dolphin that we know. No, no. But uh, I could maybe... Not going to finish that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the third one. I'm all into getting pampered, but please stay away from this place. It's one of the worst spas in Atlanta. I scheduled an hour massage and ended up getting a lady in her 70s who spent the entire hour preaching to me about some crazy religion she believes in, where children are the angels and will take us all back to heaven. Oh, that sounds like something we might have to cover. (laughs) Listen, if I wanted... If I wanted a Scientology lesson, I would have watched one of Tom Cruise's horrible movies. I didn't have to pay $100 to sparse Seidel. To make matters worse, this lady gave me the worst massage I've ever had. Putting so much baby oil on me, it took two days to wash it all off and I was still sore after an hour of work (laughs) because she didn't do anything but talk and lube me up. (laughs) I called management the next day and complained. The rude manager told me she would look into it and get back to me. Three months later, no word. Last time I'll ever go back to a sparse Seidel. Oh, God. Those. <laughs> if you're going to a spa and you're asking for a normal massage, <laughs> I don't believe that, that that was supposed to be a normal massage. He sounds extremely disgruntled. It seems like he got a rub down from Marshall Applewhite's <laughs> so wife. Totally. So heavens, heavens Gate 101. Yeah. So don't, don't buy it. That is the One Star Reservoir for this week, which means. We move on to the meteor portion of the podcast. Gus has gone away and he's trawled the internet and gone in-depth into a train wreck throughout history. And, mate, what have you come back with this week to delight our listeners? Mate, it's homegrown. It is homegrown. Yeah, you said it top and tail. Yep. And it uh, it is to do with animals. We've Ooh. been we've been we've been, been ta- hanging on that one. We've been talking animals for uh, uh, and and preaching that animals may be part of the uh, the the train wreck that is uh, the the shit show it's story. Have something to do with Catherine the Great? <laughs> it's been a couple of eps since you rammed that one in there. <laughs> I mean that in the physical sense of the word. <laughs> so did Catherine the Great. Ah. So post World War One, soldiers come back to Australia. Uh, and the government is trying desperately to give them uh, some kind of compensation for the acts of bravery that they've uh, they've committed to. They so literally have, put their freedom. fucking life on the line. Exactly. Yeah. So what the government does is called the Soldier Settlement Scheme for these guys who've been away and uh, may, may have left at, uh, at a young age and then mm-hmm. come back and they're unable to stay at their family home or whatever, they're basically gone, look, here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to, we're going to give all of you guys some land. Yep. So about 5,000 ex-soldiers uh, get land because they were the ones in, in need and other people go back. But mm-hmm. anyway, we're focusing on, on these uh, soldier settlement schemes. 
basically they were expected to uh, convert these plots of land into working farms, primarily to cultivate wheat and sheep, yep. so they can then support themselves and thus the whole wheels keep turning. Okay. So by September 1920, governments purchased 90,000 hectares for these, uh, these veterans, mm-hmm. still need more, and they start placing the remaining soldiers in some pretty remote parts of the country. Because all the good places are already gone. They're taken, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's It's literally like today's property market. It is like every single example of first come, best dressed. Yeah. So the the last guys back from the war who have been there the longest and are therefore the most traumatised are getting the shittest plots, Uh. which doesn't work out great. So they send a bunch of guys to this remote part of Perth and they're like have this land that is dead set fucks. <laughs> and these guys go, thanks, glad we fought for you. They, that is the most Australian government thing. Isn't it? It's, it's We're like, going to give you this thing that is dead set fucked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you've got exactly the same plot as uh, Jimmy down the road. By down the road, you mean the east coast of Australia. <laughs> Sydney, yeah. So uh, very difficult to set up a, a farm with good environment. However... <laughs> Almost impossible to in a set it up. Barren <laughs> fuckland <laughs> in the middle of the desert. So, also the uh, the veterans get put under even more pressure because Great Depression hits in about 1929, yep. and then all of a sudden the wheat index goes through the floor, and they're yep. going to hand out all these wheat subsidies, but they fucking don't, as we know, and that sends the whole country into depression. There's also a drought. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Footnote. Foot. There's also a huge drought. Yeah, small italics, asterisk, <laughs> drought. So basically, despite the recommendations, wheat prices continue to fall by October 1932, which is where we land at day dot of this story. Matters were becoming really, really intense with farmers preparing to harvest the season's crop while simultaneously threatening to refuse to load the wheat because the prices are too low. And this is where the Perth thing comes in. These guys have a huge thing going on that no one else in Australia does. They've got to deal with 20,000 fucking emus. <laughs> there are, there are 20,000 emus. Oh, that, I think I know where this is going. That migrate after the breeding season, heading to the coast from the inland regions. So with the cleared land and the additional water supplies uh, being made available for livestock for the Western Australian farmers... The emus found that the cultivated lands were a sweet habitat, yeah. <laughs> and they and they began instead of going coast. All, all they knew was fucking sand before th- that. That's Literally it. Literally anything was better than what they had before. Exactly. So they find uh, emu Nevada, yeah. which are these these farms that all of a sudden, which is my next band's name. It is. It's a. I mean, it'll go. It'll go great. You can just ride the coattails of Yothi Yindi. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of those things where these emus stumble across this absolute crack house of delights <laughs> in the form of these farms that have been given all of these subsidies. Uh, and this is, this is the thing. The marginal farming land um, around two, <laughs> a couple of, uh, of Australian towns that sound amazing because they sound like they're stuff out of Dr. Zeus. So uh, farming land around the towns of Walgulglen. <laughs> And Chandle Whopper. <laughs> <laughs> With or without cheese. Oh, the, 
So the emus consume and spoil the crops. Yeah. 20,000 of the fuckers. Yeah. Uh, and they leave massive gaps in fences where rabbits enter. God damn it. If only we didn't have rabbits. Oh, rabbits. <laughs> and so the farmers are, who are ex-soldiers are like, hey, thanks for the land. Quick question. <laughs> did you know there were fucking 20,000 emus here? <laughs> There is a dead set stadium of, of <laughs> emus. And the government are like, <laughs> They just Tim Allen the shit out of it. Yeah. And so the, uh, and the, the ex-soldiers go and meet with the Minister of Defence because they get kicked around to a, diff, a bunch... The Minister of Defence. Okay. <laughs> they go to meet, instead of the Minister for Agriculture or yeah. the Minister for the Environment, yeah. they go to meet... With the Minister of Defence, because they're soldiers, and you know how they're going to fix this? Guns. Fucking oath they are. They go to see Sir George Pierce. So the soldier settlers were well aware of the effectiveness of machine guns, and they asked Pierce for machine guns yep. so that they could <laughs> Rambo style fuck these emus up. <laughs> um, <laughs> the minister, <laughs> the minister readily agreed. Which is never a good start. Although with conditions attached, the guns were to be used only by color- current military personnel. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> only by coloured... I, I thought that's what you were about to say. No, no. Only by coloured personnel. I was no, like, no, no. Wow, that's it's a big step up. There are, no, that was not happening in 1932. No. Um, they're only to be used by current military personnel. So the Western Australian government finances troop transport and an army to go and fight the emus. <laughs> <laughs> the farmers provide, were, were to provide food, accommodation and payment for the ammunitions. Pierce also supported the deployment on the grounds that the birds would make good target practice for the soldiers who are, uh, in, who are, are now no longer fighting a world war to keep them in practice. <laughs> Although it's been argued that some in the government may have viewed this as a way of uh, being seen to be helping the Western Australian farmers, etc. So, yeah. basically, military involvement was a go. Yeah. October 1932... Major GPW Meredith of the <laughs> seventh fucking major of the seventh heavy battery of the Royal Australian Artil- uh, Artillery. <laughs> <laughs> he rocks up with a, a platoon and ten thousand rounds of ammunition. These Lewis machine guns and a shitload of uh, of artillery. <laughs> The only issue is the operation and the start of it is delayed from October because a period of really heavy rainfall uh, causes the emus to scatter over a really wide area. Yeah. Rain ceases on the 2nd of November, and uh, at that point, November 2nd, 1932, the start of the emu war. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So here's the thing. Video game style... <laughs> the soldiers were so confident and the, go- the government was so confident and the army was so confident that they were told that they were to bring back the thousands of emu skins that they were going to get to be used so the feathers could be used to make hats for light horsemen, etc. It's like yeah. they were already going, yeah, well, when you fuck up all these 20,000 emus, we want all those feathers because, yeah, we're going we're to use them for stuff. Yeah. Here's the thing. For anyone that's ever looked at emus and thought, wow, you guys look like Jim Henson was making a well-fed, <laughs> scraggy velociraptor. 
This is your fucking war. <laughs> this is your war. Nov second. <laughs> Day one. Game on. The fact that Meredith didn't prepare for this clash with the respect that deserved it first uh, <laughs> is kind of understandable because uh, emus look like chubby Muppets <laughs> and can't fly. He, um, him in the army with the Showtime Lakers and they thought they were about to take on like the fucking the other Nuggets nines. or something. Yeah, yeah. They, they had not prepped this one. They were like, <laughs> we got guns, those are emus. Which the equation that most people would have. Yeah. The first clash... This is a this is a war that while researching it is broken into different battles. <laughs> <laughs> the first clash of the operation made the emus look like dead set Jedi's. <laughs> <laughs> so all these farmers come, they herd the emus together. Who's the general of the emu army? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just hang, hang tight. <laughs> the, the farmers try and herd the emus together for easy pickings. But this proves really, really difficult. They end up with just like this group of like 50 emus yeah. that they've sort of got into a pile, into a, into one group. And so the army rolls in yeah. with machine guns and they start firing. <laughs> the birds go in every direction <sighs> and scatter. A handful of birds go down. Yeah. Two birds. <laughs> <laughs> The troops blame the fact the Lewis machine gun only has a range of between 800 and 3,000 metres. <laughs> what? Which sounds like a fuck ton to me. Yeah. Especially when you're looking at it and going, it's a machine gun. It fires multiple rounds. What the fuck are you guys doing? I can't believe that it was literally a two birds, one machine gun scenario. Ex- That's ex- ridiculous. Ex- exactly. So the other, the emus vanish. In a thin air, and the army are like, oh, what the fuck? And many of the birds that ran away on multiple eyewitness accounts had zero difficulty, even though they clearly sustained multiple hits to the body, i.e. Oh. the army are freaked out because bullets don't kill emus. <laughs> <laughs> they just did not get... So they petitioned the government for kryptonite. <laughs> So th- these these emus appear to be not giving a single fuck yeah. about getting fired at. They're just yeah. like, yep, that'll work. So the Sunday Herald, which is a paper that's no longer around, uh, according to this report, the emus had a six-foot leader who would keep lookout. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, actual lookout is the quote. The emus have proved that they are not so stupid as they are usually considered to be. Each mob has its leader, always an enormous black-plumed bird standing fully six feet high who keeps watch while his fellows busy themselves with the wheat. At the first suspicious sign, he gives the signal and dozens of heads stretch up out of the crop. A few birds will take flight, starting a headlong stampede for the scrub. The general always remains until his followers have reached safety. <laughs> the general! The general of this fucking oh emus. God. They are emus. <laughs> the army is doing a full opposition analysis <laughs> on emus. They've created an oppositional they, hierarchy they, yeah, on the wall. They've got, yeah, they've got like the tents with the chess pieces. <laughs> oh, yes! <laughs> As we can see, the general has moved into this area. <laughs> We're going to want to flank them from behind. Uh, Funny you should mention that. November 4. (laughs) (laughs) Meredith plans an actual military ambush. Oh, my God. They bunker down in the night, 
camouflaged. <laughs> what, in fucking ghillie suits or some shit? Waiting to surprise a group of a thousand emus, and they wait for the break of day. The soldiers lie. Dawn breaks. The birds get the fuck out of Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> These guys fire bullets. The, the emus are getting hit. None of them are going, no down. going down. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're just, they're just, it's just raw power. It's totally. Just, it's just complete they, muscle. They are take, they're taking flight, copping fire. The general is uh, is giving some seriously uh, uh, sophisticated military orders <laughs> to his emu troops. Shoot the fucking birds! <laughs> so uh, that scenario keeps repeating itself. Like they lay traps, they set ambushes up, they plan to kill the to kill the emus, and they are knocking off like. What is this fucking Scooby Doo? It sounds like they're trying to literally trap a villain, and they're just like, "What are we gonna do? They're gonna do that whole thing where they're in the hallway and they run through all the different yeah, doors." Yes. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and eventually the emus start chasing them. Um, yeah. So. This happens a couple of times on yeah. on, on the same day. Uh, the next day, eventually Meredith cracks it. He's just had fucking dead set enough, and goes, "Bring me that truck. We're mounting a machine gun on it." So he goes, uh, "Let's solve this street justice style and just drive by." Yeah, <laughs> all the emus. Break yourself, general. <laughs> <laughs> so the issue here. Was that the emus could easily outrun the truck? Yeah, because emus run about fifty k's an hour, yeah. which makes me question what sort of jalopy they were fucking strapping <laughs> this thing to. <laughs> but here's here's where it gets really really embarrassing. So they're chasing these birds. This truck is just driving around in circles, and they get fixated on this one pack of emus. They're chasing them. They're in hot pursuit. They're firing bullets. Yep. They get they get one. Everyone's cheering. They're like, they're just taking small wins at this point. <laughs> yeah. The the emus start leading them over tougher and tougher terrain, and the truck just keeps gassing it until the point where the emus, in a Looney Tunes style <laughs> twist of fate, lead the truck to a massive fence over a cliff, then turn immediately right. Oh. The truck barrels through the fence. Fucks itself. <laughs> the guys don't die, but they're very. I was just about to say, did they all Thelma and Louisa <laughs> off the just cliff? Di- just die. But they are. They yeah. They <laughs> basically have a scenario where they've <laughs> they've just gone at the end, almost like Meredith was uh, was thinking Morgan Freeman style. John Doe has the upper hand. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's just just losing it, and so. They report all of this back um, to uh, to the Australian Army, yeah. who are not that stoked. Yeah, and this comes back to the Minister for Defence uh, because the stats are twenty five hundred fired rounds, less than fifty dead emus. <laughs> horrible, horrible stats. <laughs> You're looking at fifty bullets <laughs> per, per dead emu. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith's, Meredith's official report only notes triumphantly that his men had suffered no casualties. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because your opponent is not trying to kill you. <laughs> he has no weapons and is an emu. Uh, 
his quote is, if we had a military division with the bullet-carrying capacity of these birds, it would face any army in the world. They can face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. They are like Zulus whom even dum-dum bullets could not stop. So it just throws in a bit of racism at the yeah, end. Yeah, I know. Um, so representatives in the House of Reps on the 8th of November, after they find out that Emus had basically led a truck off a cliff yeah. and none of them had died. Uh, they discussed the operation. Here is a transcript of how this goes down. Uh, New South Wales MP. Who is responsible for the farce of hunting emus with machine guns mounted on lorries? Is the Defence Department meeting the cost? Prime Minister. I've been told the Defence Department will not be paying the bill. New South Wales. Is a medal to be struck for this war? <laughs> Western Australia, they should rightly go to the emus. They've won every round so far. (laughs) (laughs) The best. Following that, Pierce withdraws the military uh, personnel and the guns on the 8th of November, which is a win for the emus. Yeah. So after withdrawal of the military, the emu attacks on crops only get worse. I can imagine. Yeah, they're pissed. Yeah. And and they're also... They want revenge. Through the wheat. They're super cocky about it as well. They're just like, (laughs) yeah, take that, farmers. (laughs) There's no lookout anymore. They're just openly, brazenly doing it. Yeah, totally. And because the the farmers, uh, they keep asking for ammo, but the government are like, we're not giving you ammo. Uh, We'll just, we'll give you soldiers. And the farmers are like, can we not have that again, (laughs) please? (laughs) And eventually they, uh, they say, okay, fine. We will we will take the soldiers again. So the soldiers go back. Oh. Yeah, they do. Twelfth of November. It's only been four days since oh they were last God. they were last beaten by the emus. Uh, a resumption of military efforts commences, and uh, and Pierce defends the decision in the Senate, explaining why the soldiers were necessary to combat the serious agricultural and military th- military threat military of, the, threat. <laughs> of the large emu population. So, although the military has agreed to lend the guns to the Western Australian government, uh, they've, they've said, you guys have to provide us uh, in order to, to use the guns. You have to provide soldiers, uh, current soldiers, to use them. And the Western Australian government's like, just send us back those same fuckwits from before. <laughs> <laughs> so, guess who goes back? Meredith! Oh, and no. Ba- and his band of idiots. <laughs> so, they, they take to the field on the 13th of November. Uh, they found a little success over the next couple of days. They kill about 40 emus. Uh, the third day, the 15th of November, far less successful. But by the 2nd of December, they've killed 100 emus. Oh, my God. And how many were there at the beginning? 20,000. 20,000. Fuck. They're really working through them. <laughs> they, they're going to wet... The, Slow and steady wins the race. They're going to wear them down because they'll die of old age. <laughs> so, anyway, end of this... This one of these soldiers goes, there's only one way to kill an emu. Shoot him through the back of the head when his mouth is closed or through the front of his mouth when his mouth is open. That's how hard it is to kill an emu. I was about to say, what is he, a fucking vampire? <laughs> that is how hard. Only in daylight and with a stake through the chest. <laughs> that is how hard it is, according to this soldier. Uh, unfortunately for the military personnel that went out there, um, it appears that that is not totally accurate because once they were withdrawn on the uh, 10th of December, the military offered the people of Western Australia uh, the ammunition they'd been asking for. In 1934, 
in six months, 57,034 emus were killed oh. by local farmers. Oh. So they dick on the emus yeah. once they have guns. Yeah. And the report that came back was that they have said there is no way that if these soldiers remained, this situation would have rectified itself. <laughs> it's t- it, it, goes, it goes down much like uh, if you have a terrible game of cricket or Aussie rules and then find out that it's a scratch match, the first thing that you ask is, do the stats count? Yes, this counts as an actual military battle. Actual uh. records were kept. The casualties records were uh, were kept, and it counts as a battle that Australia engaged in on natural on native soil. So, so that that is the 1932 no, war no, of the emus. Fantastic. Was was there any human casualties at all? Zero human casualties, but at nice. the same time, only five people have ever died at the hands of emus. Oh right, ever. Yeah, right. In history, <laughs> so you look at that and go, "Why did you send the army?" <laughs> I. I would you, as a farmer in Western Australia, if you were watching this whole shit with what I assume is going to be Benny Hill music rolling through your head at these <laughs> soldiers who have come back from war who have defended our country, would you just be like, how did we win the war? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pr- pretty much. I mean, you'd look at it and go, um, the only thing in your favour would be that it's Australia and thus uh, emus are... Uh, a level up on your standard animal because everything here, as we've already discussed, can kill you. Can kill you, yeah. But you have a machine gun. <laughs> you you have a you have a weapon that was designed to kill to mow down people. Yeah, yeah. in in rapid fire. Yeah, they fired ten thousand bullets <laughs> while they were there, and and they killed less than a thousand emus. That is absurd. It's really really dumb. Absurd. Yeah, especially when you look at emus and go. You have tiny heads, and there is no way that strategically you should have thought your way out of a paper bag, let alone that particular... Well, they, they've got, like, pea brains. Like, literally, like, they're the size of peas. Not the generals. The, no. ge- the generals have large craniums. <laughs> they're an elevated emu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, mate. War of the emus. Mate, fantastic. Thanks so much for that spotlight for this week, mate. So, we're going to move on to the the final episode of the night, which is me telling you how to get in touch with us. Ah, perfect. So, guys, if you want to get in touch with us, if you have any leads on any train wrecks for the week or any poos in the news or one star reservoir or even a spotlight, uh, as we did this week, uh, please hit us up on our Facebook, which is Shit Show. If you just enter that into Facebook, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, just look us up, Shit Show, but with an exclamation point instead of the I. And also visit our brand spanking new website, yeah. shitshow.com. Got, got that real new site smell. It's so good. Make sure that you go there. It's going to have a bunch of uh, stuff that we put up there, a bunch of content that we don't maybe don't feature in the show or stuff that doesn't make the show is going to go up there. A bit of our Twitter feed is going to go up there. Um, but if you want to get in there early, at ShitShowCast on Twitter is the best way. Um, and if not, and if you want to go by snail mail, chuck us an email, shitshow.au at gmail.com. <laughs> otherwise... I thought you were about to hand out my home address. <laughs> otherwise... <laughs> You Please fuck. send it to Beep <laughs> Stanmore. So, thank you so much, guys, for listening for this week, and we'll catch you next week. See ya.
Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-